Today's guest is the tombstone cone, cone terror, Jacob Chippo Wilcox. After 10 years on the WQS and 10 years since making his world tour debut as a tender 16-year-old wildcard, he's in the big leagues for good. And man, the more we spoke, the more I realized how much of a threat this guy's going to be in the first half of the season. So many long period rights built for his savage backside blasts and heavy water knowledge with pipeline in the mix straight off the bat as well. Watch this space. We've got a new horse in the race, Swellians. Here comes the Aussie onion, bringing tears and pungent bogan body odor across the globe. Into them, cunts. Loved hearing about the psychological journey it took to get there as well and how many of the lessons apply to everyday life. And, of course, the insights into the pointy end of the slab shamanism game are worth sticking around for. Absolutely fascinating. On that, if you're not already aware, most of these episodes can be found on YouTube, including a lot of the waves, footage of the waves, that is, mentioned during these chats. So if you've never seen them before or want to see them again, keep an eye out for the ATS shorts on our channel, Cop Lorry's Cloud Break, Cape and Shippy Stonkers, Cop Rusbjerks, Eileen's and Shipstern's fucking mind melters, Cop the Wave that nearly killed Kip Cuddy, and so much more. So mad. Got me own bodgy little surfing version of the footy show for all the Saturday and Sunday morning conehead call lords. Ain't That Swell presents. Cool we, we sweet. Yeah, we're on, mate. Fuck yeah, how are ya? No way, I'm good. I'm just looking at that poster of a Mohawks, Tommy Carroll in the background. Iconic uh, early Mints, full TVC, madman era when he's, uh, his nose was filled with who knows what. But uh, the pineal was packed with Mondo Vige. What a maniac. Pretty crazy, eh? It says on it, go get a haircut. <laughs> <laughs> you kidding? A signed yeah. poster. I, did, I just cottoned on to that then. Yeah, fully signed. Oh, my God. That's amazing. As you, How's the beans and brown rice eight-pack on him too? He's that ripped out. Condom full of walnuts. <laughs> fully owned nuts. Oh, that's so good. Stick omen for the meeting. Just a bit of Tommy Carroll in it. Oh, mate, he's the full spirit animal of this program. He's uh, set us all on the straight and narrow on you, Tommy. Maniac. Best ever. So did you meet him, like, when you got that? (laughs) No, it's actually – I'm at Surfing Australia. Um, I I wish mine. Oh, true. I can see it. I want to take it off the wall and take it home. But um, um, it's just in one of the rooms there that I'm just in. I didn't want to have to go home and come back down and train. So I just was like, I'm going to jump in here. And I always see that poster. I'm like, it's so sick. This will be cool. So you get a haircut. That is unbelievable. <laughs> yes, so classic. Oh, that's funny. Yeah. So, yeah, what have you been up to, man? Training uh, in preparation for the big world tour. Well, yeah, it's your rookie year. It's not your debut. You've, you've competed many times at that level. But, um, yeah, what's what's it look like, the yeah, preparation? It's, um, yeah, it's pretty exciting. I think, like, um, after the kind of the year that I just had, like this last few weeks, it's kind of just been like a bit of resetting and just making sure I'm nice and fresh to go for when next year kind of comes along. And um, I think it's just like letting everything kind of sink in and make a few plans for 
um, the events. I'm kind of someone that likes to have like a good routine and like have everything pretty planned out. So I feel like I'm just getting my head around all that. That's a lot of kind of places I've been to before, but not really places I've been to for an event before. So um, all well, an event in a long time. Um, so yeah, it's, it's going to be cool. Just like working all that out and yeah, just get into some training and just trying to get some waves. It's been, um, yeah, it's been, it's good to be back in Oz actually. It's, um, it's nice. Like the, I don't know, the, the QE was, was a, it's just always a long year. I reckon like no matter how good you do or like how shit I've done in the past on it, like it's all, it just takes, it takes its toll a little bit on you. Um, just all the travel and it's like all the intense environment. So yeah, it's nice to come back and just reset and freshen up. Yeah, mate, it's underrated how much of a toll it takes on people. You know, people look at pro surfers uh, as if they're this kind of pampered group and and have this dreamy life. But, you know, it's in the science now that traveling's kind of one of the most rattling things you can do to yourself when it's done too much. Like there's so many changes in the body that occur that kind of make it really hard to um you just be yourself or be the best version of yourself you know changes in diet climate um you know language like the stress of booking flights luggage like there's just so many stresses and changes that you don't have to deal with when you're at home um Mm. have you felt that yeah for sure well it's we are we are pretty pampered and have pretty good lives don't get me wrong but that's probably the one part of it that does feel like it's a bit more of a job it's like all that side of it and yeah it does take a toll on you but like I don't know the kind of the way I look at it is like <clears throat> it's such a epic time of your life like and, and you're not going to be able to be a pro surfer for your whole life unless you're Kelly Slater I guess and don't don't wrap it up but um so it's just like enjoying enjoying all that hey like enjoying these these moments where they my pro surfing career lasts for another five years or ten years or maybe I'll be 40 years old still still slapping the slapping the rashi on but um yeah just like getting to enjoy all those moments for how good and how challenging they are. And like, cause one day it's all of us, it's um, we're going to have a, a real job eventually. And we're gonna be like, fuck, I wish I made the most of those, those times, good and bad, because like, it's pretty sick what we get to do. And it's like pretty cool to be able to do that. Like for a part of your life, like get the opportunity to do that. So yeah, I feel like whenever it feels like it's a little bit harder, something that's nowhere near as bad as like, some dude that's fucking chucking the work boots on every day, getting the shovel out and going and digging holes for eight hours straight. So it's like, I can suck it up. Well said. It's very true. Uh, and <laughs> talking about perks, mate, you're about to make your, your full-time world tour debut at Pipeline uh, in January in, in what's generally a, a pretty prime swell window. Fucking hell. How are you feeling about that? Oh, I'm, I'm excited, but like also a little bit scared. Like I feel like I'm, I feel like it's good to be scared though, like a little bit scared of ways like that. I feel like they deserve a lot of respect. And like whenever I surf like a scary kind of wave, I'm like, I feel like I try to have respect for the ocean and what it, what it can kind of do for you. And I feel like there's a fine line you can kind of, you can kind of walk, walk with that. Like, cause you show too much respect, you'll be too scared if I can even take off on a wave. But then it's like finding that fine line where you're respecting the ocean and then like ripping in at the same time. So it's like, um, yeah, but I'm so excited. Like, just to be able, I've, I've had a couple of heats there in like the Vulcan Pipe Pro and never really done too well, but um, I don't know. Yeah, it's pretty exciting to like to think about like first event as a rookie on tour at Pipe. Like it's pretty sick, but yeah, it, it definitely gets the heart rate going thinking about it a little bit, just like the excitement of it and being out there and actually having the chance to catch a wave and not just being a 
bottom feeder on the insider. <laughs> Fully. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, what is the plan? Are, are you going to try and get over there early <laughs> and get a few reps in, or, or just trust that your, your tube instinct will be, you know, well honed given the amount of time you've spent at Tumies and and elsewhere in West Oz? Um, <clears throat> I'm going to get over there early for sure, but it's um. I feel like that that environment around there can be like pretty pretty taxing. Like it's a it's a high energy environment, and like um, being around an event already is usually a pretty high energy environment and pretty um pretty intense. So just like trying to manage my my mindset around that. So by the time the event starts, I'm feeling fresh and ready to go. So I'm gonna get there a couple of weeks early, try out my boards and all that sort of stuff. But yeah, probably not like. I don't know, just try not to beat yourself before the comp even starts. Like everyone that's served pipe knows how hard it is to get a wave out there and how hungry everybody is to get one. So just trying to keep a gauge on that and still kind of get your sessions and stuff in out there. But um, yeah, have have faith in my ability and what I can feel like I can do in those types of waves. But um, it's that it's a different wave to um, a lot of the waves that I've gone up surfing. So still going to take time to... I don't know, get used to how the waves move out there. But at the same time, I feel like first time I went to Hawaii was when I was 13 years old and like almost, I don't know, I think been there maybe 13 times and been lucky enough to stay at the Rip Curl House there and like being a part of it when Mick was winning world titles and Gabe was winning his first couple. So like I've seen so many people um, get to compete out there. So it's going to be pretty special to like have, have my shot at that and um yeah, just just working out the wave, and I feel like it's um probably different free surfing out there, and then surfing heat out there, like how you would structure it. So it, it might might look real perfect in a heat still, but you still like for for your heat, but you still got to be able to like work out how to milk the most out of it because you've only got thirty minutes still. Wow, that's amazing, man! Being a fly on the wall during uh, Fenning's successful world title campaigns at Pipe. So I guess you were there when, well, was that 2013? The the or was it 09? I'm mashing them together in my memory. Yeah, yeah. I, I'm not I'm not great with the dates, but I remember it was the one when he beat Yaden in the semi final. Yeah, that That's crazy rolling. Yeah, yeah. Um, I was <laughs> pretty sure I was sleeping on the couch outside, like that year or one of the couches. But I was just like so stoked to be there and so lucky to be around that type of environment like i'd already looked up to mick so much but like being able to see how he operated at that, that level was like pretty inspiring it was like oh that's crazy um but i guess none of us are going to be going for a world title at pipe so it's a, di- it's a different situation that way but you're still competing at pipe and trying to get the best waves you can what were some of the things that you observed about how he was operating uh, i think he was just like like I said, I was pretty young, but so I probably wouldn't have the ability to pick up on as much stuff as I probably do now. But I guess it was just like seemed like he had a, his routine and like a pretty dedicated routine. Like he'd go out, get his surfs done, come in, get his food. Like he just had seemed like he was quite routine based and um, kind of like didn't leave any stone unturned. That was just kind of my view from the outside. But um, yeah, I'm sure there's probably way more to it than I would have noticed. But yeah, it'd be cool to be able to like. Be, go back in time a little bit and look at all that now and be like, that's sick. Uh, yeah, that's interesting because he was such a disciplined, hard trainer outside of the water. And then I guess when it came to his preparation, it, it must have been a strategy of just controlling what you can control, um, you know, kind of controlling variables that you know create 
a good end product and, and really knuckling down on, on controlling those controllables. Yeah, for sure. And it's like, I feel like a pipe that it seems like quite a hard place to control the controllables. The ocean's so, so raw and quite hungry and like having to compete out there in a high tense situation, like they would have like gone for world titles and stuff. Like that's like, you don't have any opportunity. Like you're not pulling back, like you're going, but um, yeah, it's pretty sick. And yeah, so lucky to be able to like be a part of that and see that it's pretty epic. Amazing. And Medina, what did you notice about his approach in high pressure scenarios? Um, he just seemed like he was a bit like, a, like a machine kind of, Hey, like, and I guess that's where him and Mick kind of, both seem quite similar like they just had like they kind of just had their routine or their stuff that they were doing and they just did it come back in and seemed like that it's almost like quite routine based and just seemed like medina every time he'd go out he was like run out grab his shit run out go for a surf get a couple of signals come back in and then like it seemed like medina would surf a lot as well like maybe that was his way just like connecting with the ocean or just being so aware of all the, the different types of angles and waves that come through out there and you watch Medina when he competes out there. It seems like he's he surfs it like a beachy, like he just like roams around, and maybe that's why he's done so well out there, as well as his like crazy bow technique. But he's just like knowledge of that wave from just surfing it, like he has over the years. Mm, yeah, I mean the wave reminds me of a beachy. I've always said it's like that. It's like a beachy on reef. The way it hits those outer bombies and then just wedges up and refracts around, and you've you know got everything from ain'ts to the wakita bowl to, like it, it doesn't hit the same spot every time so you, you kind of can run the lineup like it's a beach break yeah for sure and i think that's probably like i don't know maybe it just looks like that's how some of the people that surf it well is kind of how they how they approach it like i feel like you could probably get stuck just like sit in the one spot because it looks like it's this perfect reef and then you you see it happen then people like get to the end of their heats and they got like two twos and like well what happened then like just the heat's gone so um who knows that could happen to me in january but hopefully not <laughs> fuck it oh man it's so <laughs> sick just talking about it it's getting me so psyched for that comp i can't imagine how you're feeling like it, it really is that it, it's like fucking i don't know strati on reef or something and, and triple the size like it, it's just shifting peaks from from off the wall to to ants to backdoor to pipe it's the mate what a spectacle it is. I can't wait for that. I'm just praying they get waves. Um, and too, you get my heart rate's gone through the roof. I'm just <laughs> Oh, shit. <laughs> and, like, compare it to Toomey's, man. Like, they are very different waves. But, I mean, you know, you, in my opinion, you're one of the best to have ever done it at, at Toomey's. Another psycho hollow left pit. Uh, I would say, I mean, I've not really i've never spent time at toomey's but it, it looks like every bit is consequential and maybe even more technical than pipe but yeah they're very different different waves aren't yeah. they yeah they are different waves it feels like um pipes almost a mix between like a outer bomby and then like a slab on the inside like sometimes you can get like a little i haven't caught like heaps of waves at pipe but the ones that I have caught, sometimes you get like a little chip shot and you're behind it and it's a shorter, intense kind of kind of wave. But as opposed to um, up north, it seems like it's um, kind of breaks a bit more like Tahiti, I'd say. Like how it kind of comes in, you get like this big wall and it looks like it's going to close out kind of thing. And um, how it breaks, it's, um, I don't know, like it's 
it's a different kind of drop. It's like, I don't know how to explain it except for like, say it's kind of like Tahiti. I went there a couple of weeks ago on that wave, like blew my mind. I was like, felt like I've been obsessed with that wave and how it broke, like how it was breaking. And I was kind of like, how have I ever been to Tahiti before? Like I've been blowing it. But got, I guess it's kind of gone on a tangent, but I feel like that's kind of what up north kind of reminds me a little bit more. Like a Tahiti, but say the reef at Tahiti wasn't flat and there's just like big steps and coral heads and all this random stuff. Um, but Tahiti's just like so groomed. Um, opposed to Tumis, it's like, it looks super nice sometimes, but but the bottom is like real jagged and kind of like big coral ledges and stuff, um, which I guess that, kind of would tie back to pipe a little bit it has like the big trenches in the reef and it's not as a much of a perfect reef um but yeah i still think they're pretty different waves in how they break but i guess like you're still kind of doing the same thing on them that's kind of like the similar part is like you're pretty much going left and going straight through mm. the barrel and trying to come out so that's mm. the common thing about them the most and they're both pretty scary Oh, I love the insight because it's it's something that very few of us will ever experience. And, you know, looking at Toomey's, like it's the only wave out of those three that that has a, a ledge inside the pit, that that air of unpredictability. Do you feel like, uh, you know, being as at home in those conditions at Toomey's with that sketchy little ledge inside the pit, you know, has that, do you think that like hones your reflexes um, and, and kind of, yeah, can really help you when you get to places like Tropes and Pipe, knowing that if you get the drop right, if you get the line right, like you're not having to navigate shit like that in the pit. Yeah, it's definitely a nice feeling not having to go over a step or deal with all this other bullshit that comes down the line when you're surfing out there. But it's um, it's like I feel like I go back to my experience with Tahiti, like when I went there, it was like I was so used to taking off at Toomey's and just like racing like racing the trigo as fast as I can and Tahiti was like I was out running the barrel like so much because the wave bends so much on you. So I feel like there's some things that are like ingrained into my memory from surfing up there that don't always translate to other waves as good. Um, so, yeah, I guess it's just like being aware of that, um, that, that those differences. And But, yeah, it's uh, I ended up getting smashed a few times at Tahiti because of that as well. Like I feel like sometimes you've got to just take the drop there and then get into the barrel. And then sometimes I was like trying to take the drop and like, di- like diagonal to like race. And then I was just getting smashed. Wow. <laughs> Only took a couple of them and I worked it out, <laughs> worked it out. But um, yeah. That's okay. crazy. Can't remember what the question was. I'm just talking shit. Oh, mate, it's all, it's all just shit talking <laughs> on this program. Don't worry. It's fucking hundreds of hours of it. Um, <laughs> yeah, man. So, uh, yeah, now I forgot. Oh, yeah. So, Toomey's. Oh, oh yeah, off. mate. We were ju- we were just watching before this program um kicked off. We were, uh, some weird clip just popped out uh, on Instagram of uh yourself. I think it's the close. Is that the closer in 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 dust? Oh, yeah, sorry. By, def- uh, by default. By default. By default. Yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah, I'm pretty sure it was. Yeah. Yeah. Have you yeah, ever seen yeah. that angle? That land angle. Um, I think I did see it, and then somehow it just got like recycled, and so I think like some. It's like some Brazo Insta pages like found it and like repumped yeah. it. Yeah, fuck, mate. Mental. I've never seen it. And that wave, the closing by default, is one of my all-time favorite waves out there. Like it's you know up there with 
maybe better than than Shuni's airdrop and Dino Adrian's airdrop and a, a bunch of Jay Davies ones out there. Like it's it's fucking psychotic. And you talk about the shit you got to deal with coming at you down the line there. Like watching that land clip, it, it doesn't really do the the I don't know thickness of the wave justice, but it, it, the depth of the tube is mind melting from that angle. Like you basically give up on you after the first section, mm. let alone the second one. Like the thing just squares out and there's this huge like waterfall that kind of crumbles down and um, basically becomes the foam ball. Like what did it look like inside of that thing? Uh, yeah. There's, I guess it was just like a unique looking wave for out there. It's like some of the waves that you see out there, like, like Sean's one that he got was like crazy and it was like so sucky and just like, looked epic that way the mind maybe didn't look as epic but it was just that, had that little bit of unpredictableness of like oh how did, how did we get through that and i actually don't really know how i got through it to be honest like i just <clears throat> the wind was about to come in so that like the wind like the southerly wind was blowing out the back so that was like sending in like like a uh, big kind of wind chops and then um i guess that kind of like pushed in the set as well like it'd been so slow that day and i was like oh I saw the wind starting to come in. I was like, oh, I'm going to go back out because sometimes the wind can like push in like one or two sets. And I'd like just kind of like got out. I was like, holy shit. Like some of my little plans like paid off here and um, just kind of like got onto it and I kind of had a little chip shot into it. But because that wind was like blowing out the back, like it just threw that weird chandelier down. And um, I don't know, like the chandelier happened. I was like, oh shit, like I'm done here. Like I thought, because usually as soon as there's any sort of chandelier or I thought it might have like broken off the reef and that's why it chandeliered. I was like, oh no. But I was like, surely it didn't break off the reef. And then I just kind of like wobbled. And sometimes I don't know, like sometimes your board just falls underneath you and you're like, holy shit. Like this it's just meant to be a little bit. But um yeah, it's just I just got kind of got lucky, I guess. Uh, that that year I I'd spent like I think it was the COVID year, so I'd spent so much time up there and I guess it was like a little little reward little reward from just like surfing out there so much and just i guess i have like the connection uh i feel like i have been like up there and surfing that way because like it's quite special so maybe something was just looking out for me on that one and didn't send me into the reef and just put the board under under my feet and i came out which is pretty nice feeling Mate, there's no better evidence of a, a supreme connection between a surfer and a wave than that story. Like the fact that, you know, you anticipated the changing conditions and the nuances in the reef and the lineup there. And ex- I love when that happens. Like, uh, you know, most surfers can relate to to some experience like this where it's either your local joint or a joint you've spent a lot of time at and, and you completely read the conditions and anticipate perfectly what's going to happen. And you get rewarded with the wave. And most of the time, you're so in tune with the wave or the conditions that you don't blow that wave. Like, you know, you get a, a fucked up one because mm-hmm. like you've not only uh, envisioned what's about to happen, but uh, you know, you're so hungry and, and so in tune with the joint. It's evidence of a, a, a holistic relationship with a wave when shit like that goes your way. I reckon it's not luck. Yeah. 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 And the other thing was, is like me and Isaac had like kind of like shot up there for that swell as well. And it was like a bit of a flop. And I was like, oh, shit. Like, sorry, Isaac, I wasted your time. And we had a hell time. And my old man was up there as well. Probably should say thanks to my old mum and mum and dad as well for taking me up there since I was like a baby pretty much. And like 
giving me the experience to have that type of connection with the wave and connection with a place like that it's quite special but um yeah me and I so I was probably even hungrier to get a good one because me and Isaac had come up there and I was like oh really try to kind of for like told Isaac it was going to be good and that morning it wasn't good at all so yeah I guess like sometimes it's that one wave that makes a trip and that kind of kind of was it fuck so if you don't handle in the phone ball there what happens to you I mean on a wave like that like fucking hell um you never really know like sometimes you get like smashed and you get like where I would have fallen then I reckon I would have got hit the right for sure I would have hit like the little step thing because it was before the step um but yes, yeah, so, I don't know. Sometimes I've I've fallen off and I'm like, oh my god, I'm going to get absolutely obliterated into the reef, and then you sweat, and then other times you're like, oh, I'm going to be sweet, and then you get pulled down all over the reef. So I don't know. It's just I feel like that it can sometimes be luck, or like where you fall and how the water's moving underneath you and all that sort of stuff. I feel like that can sometimes you get lucky, and sometimes I've seen people have like the craziest white hats ever, and I'm going to be like, holy shit, he's going to have to go to hospital after that. Pops up sweet, paddles back out. So it's just like one of those ones. It's such a crazy joint because people do go to hospital a lot from surfing that place, including like the best guys to surf it. Like I think of all the the apex predators out there and they've all been so fucked up by that joint. Ant-Man, yeah, for sure. Kirby yeah. Brown, Crakey, like everyone's been done. Um, yeah. Uh, the- yeah. <laughs> yeah. Like every, everyone has. And I feel like, I've been, like cause of surfing, since I've been so young, I've been out there and seen Kirby get hurt. I was out there when um, Rye got hurt and I've seen so many other people get hurt and like the, the old boys they're always going like oh there's only two types of people that surf out here like people that have been hurt and people that are waiting to get hurt <laughs> and like sometimes oh, i can't remember it was like someone said that to me that someday the swell and i was like fuck i don't want to hear that like God, I, haven't, I haven't been like badly hurt out there yet like touch wood it's like but um yeah i, I wouldn't want to like it's you're a long way from helping it every time i've seen someone get hurt it's like pretty pretty um pretty gnarly um but yeah you hit the reef and stuff but yeah i've never had like a a bad injury out there but i've seen a lot and it's like i feel like that's where where that i don't know that fine line of having respect with respecting the wave for what it can do to you and how much you can get hurt and then having that fine line where where you're pushing your own abilities at the same time comes in pretty crucial Mm. yeah it's interesting because i don't think jack robbo's had a serious injury out there either and you know you two are, are pretty much fucking jousting off for the for the crown of, of the biggest cone fiend at Toomey's. um so maybe it is just that surfing's gone to a level now where the top guys out there you know you guys obviously we're not getting worse at surfing as a species so uh, maybe you guys have just turned the corner where you can actually have a solid career out there without getting hurt it, it it stands to reason that you, you you're actually not going to get fucked up chippo i'm praying mate i reckon there's, there's good logic there there's good data Fuck. Uh, uh, yeah i don't know i hope not but even if you do it's like i've, I've had a pretty good run probably got one coming but <laughs> hopefully it's not too bad but i guess like maybe maybe our approaches like are a little bit different to some of the other guys like we just see it and wait and try pick one with more of a calculated approach opposed to some people that might just like just fucking go the craziest thing they can because they can and then maybe that's maybe that's a little bit of the difference um so i don't know maybe we just think a little bit more about the ways that we go because we know how much you get hurt and don't want to get hurt because you're obviously sacrificing 
your competitive career as well because of that. Yeah, and at the level you're at, you know, I imagine you're approaching the wave with quite a clear mind. When I think about lineups like that, especially given how busy it is now, like it's hard to, when you're up, it's hard to keep composure and 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 let waves go. And, you know, because maybe people you might start thinking, oh, people are going to think I'm a dog or, <laughs> uh, you know what I mean? Like, so uh oh, yeah how does it work the lineup out there because fuck it man it's surprising how busy it is now uh yet the level of surfing like really the level of surfing required to to make a a, a set wave out there when it's proper i.e eight foot and above is so high that um yeah like fuck anything if you're anything but uh close to elite level surfer um you know there's a lot of core guys who can like they're elite in my opinion but yeah how does the lineup work out there and um you know without revealing too much like what are some of the 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 tricks of the trade or or at least to avoid getting fucked up or fucking someone else up (laughs) yeah uh yeah it's pretty blown out it gets fucking very busy these days but um guess I'm not, not really one to talk about that. I feel like I've, that wave's given me a lot and I shouldn't be riding off how busy it is because people will probably watch my videos and be like, oh, yeah, let's go there. But um, I feel like it's – the lineup still has a pretty good feeling, I think, when you're out there. Like, most people wait their turn and if you wait your turn, you'll get a wave. It's, um, it's not like it's a pipeline kind of situation where there's just everybody paddling over each other and it's a shit show. But I guess that's um, – kind of like it has a little bit of that kind of country culture out there still. And it's like, you wait your turn, you've got to go. But if, if you if you go there and you want to get away, then just fucking paddle for one and have a crack at it, really. Um, but, yeah, I don't know, really know, like, with the wave itself, I guess it's just like the drops definitely can sometimes be the hardest the hardest part and because it, it draws so much water, draws so much water out. So it's just that being able to, to get into it, like just paddle hard and just, try to get under it, which is probably kind of reminding me of tropes a little bit as well in that similarity of like how much water it draws. Like when, when the, when the set comes in, it feels like you're just paddling on like a stationary wave and not really going anywhere. And then next week you're just getting to your feet and you feel like you, the wave is going to break on your head, but it didn't. And you're in the perfect spot. Yeah. That's sometimes like a, a thing to adapt to is like that part of it. And like watching the guys at tropes, I feel like tropes is like a, more there's like a bigger version of Toomey's but maybe a little bit more perfect but like some of the waves that they paddle into out there like it's like mind mind boggling like the position that they would have to put themselves in when they see the wave to when they start paddling like it's pretty crazy but yeah after watching that I just have like so much respect for those some of those crazy paddle waves you've seen at Chopes like oh my god I keep going back to Chopes probably because I can't stop thinking about it how crazy the wave is yeah, it's also crazy to me, and it's so true, man. Like you have to see that stuff in real life to really appreciate the amount of ocean in the lines that are approaching the ledge. Like it, it can't be fathomed on video. Like and and somewhere like Toomey's, you know, fuck, mate, just seeing that the stacked lines steaming in, and they're basically standing still on the ledge as you're scratching and scratching to get under it and then you know fuck the steepness of the drop the thickness of it like all that stuff is so mentally harrowing to deal with that like it's very hard to train yourself to be able to deal with situations like that unless you're routinely 
putting yourself in those getting, kinds of situations. Yeah. That's the only way. That's the only way. Yeah. And it's scary when you're a kid, but like anybody that's kind of like mastered or like good in those types of way with pipe jobs, like all those other crazy slabs in the world, like just comes down to time that you put into it. And like the first few times when you're, you're younger, it's like, it seems like the scariest thing in the world. And then you slowly get a bit, a little bit more comfortable to a level where it's like, still scary but you're actually going the the proper ways and posted when you first went out there you're going like the insiders and just that that progression's like pretty cool yeah it's rad like i, I was watching a, a clip in, in one of your films i guess and you're out there on your dad's six six you know and it's like head high and you're getting head dips and uh yeah. doing little turns like and i guess you know for guys that live over your side of the country you, you're going up there on these family trips since you're that old and it is like this progressive raising of the bar and getting more and more comfortable and also just watching people and how they approach it it helps so much and it gets you hungry as well you're looking at it over fucking hundreds if not thousands of hours and eventually you're starting to see a line in and see how it's done but man it's not a joint i have any interest in in really surfing because um you know i'd be going over there without having ever experienced that and it's just not really i know that how unrealistic it is to, to put yourself in situations like that when you haven't been exposed to them but like talk to us about yeah just just growing up in the west man and um you know like the the first sessions that you had over there where the, the ocean moves so different over there it's such heavy water such raw ocean like talk to us about the development um of your surfing in, in heavy conditions yeah i guess so lucky to be able to grow up where where i did and be able to like have the opportunity to like surf waves like that um probably again thanks to mom and dad <laughs> but like but for giving me that opportunity and give, like, giving me a life where I could surf every day and um, not have to worry about anything else. Like it's like pretty privileged to be able to have to grow up like that. And um, I don't know, I guess like maybe without, if I'd grown, if I'd grown up on the East coast or something like that, I maybe wouldn't have, I don't think I would have developed the same skills that I would have like grown up at home, but it's, it's the same as everywhere. Like where you start surfing, it's like a little, little like beach breaks on my like styrofoam clubbies board that was like my first board and then like slowly progressed to my dad's six six uh, i think it was nick pope six six that i had and um yeah that, that was fun i was like and then from there i i think i went on to like one of Craig mctaggart's old crafts and i remember that was like this that was the, the sickest thing ever i think it was 12 years it was my 12th 12th birthday and um dad got me one of Creed's old boards and it was um yeah so sick I think I took it out to the river mouth like that's kind of the progression that you go you start at like uh, inside grunners and then you go surf sewers or river mouth and then like from there you like gain up enough skills to maybe like go out to gas and then from gas you kind of surf box and that's kind of the progression of, of the waves that I kind of had and then I guess um the the crafts is I feel like the the journey of the crafts is kind of cool as well. So I got Creed's board and um, I think I rode Creed's board for ages. I went at Creed's weddies as well. Like Creed was probably like one of my, like someone I looked up to when I was younger. And Creed at the, at the time was like crazy comp machine as well. Like he was doing all the comps and killing the comps. Um, and then from there, I think I started riding a few Sam Egan's boards. And then that kind of 
was where my surfing was like got my own custom boards got my own boards and then i was like oh yeah this is sick and that's probably where i got like super hungry and tried to just keep pushing myself in those ways and try to become a better surfer and then from there i got onto um, darren hanley's boards and yeah i'm still running his board today which is pretty cool um to have that kind of support from him and now to kind of be able to work so closely with him is like pretty special and um yeah it's cool when you look at the progression of the crafts and like the progression of the waves all together because i feel like it's all kind of intertwined a bit yeah absolutely uh i mean you're living on the gold coast now um you've got access to a guy who's made more world title winning surfboards than pretty much anyone i can think of um so yeah and and you're becoming acclimatized to shorter period you know beach break point break conditions (laughs) Um, yeah. So yeah, you, you, you're developing the full package, the full arsenal um, of attributes. Um, and so, yeah, like where do you see yourself, you know, performing well on the world tour? Like, what do you think, uh, where, where do you see yourself kind of getting the better of, of some of these uh, heavy hitters onto what, what do you see as your strengths, that kind of thing? Yeah, I think, I don't know, like a lot of the events at the, before the cut are like, and that's almost like a bit of a tour of like just holding on a bit. Like you got sunset, you got Portugal, which can be like pretty big and rogue. Uh, well, you obviously got pipe first, but we've spoken enough about pipe. We're going to go on sunset. Sunset's like could be big and you're kind of like holding on. And then Portugal can be big and messy and kind of hold on. Bells is almost the most high performance one out of the ways before the cut, I feel like. And then you got Marks, which is something like the last few years can be quite high performance, but still there's days that it's big and holding on. So I don't mind holding on and trying to just attack big sections. And I feel like that's an exciting um, type of surfing, but I feel like they're all quite heavy water waves. And um, I think it's, I feel comfortable there in, in most of those waves. I've kind of at sunset, I've surfed a lot in the QS there over the, over the first few years when I was, hadn't qualified and had a lot of experience there. Um, and then Portugal, like funnily enough, I feel that's kind of like where my surfing career kind of got started there when I kind of like had that heat against Kelly and um, managed to beat him in some like little left barrels and then kind of going back there probably, I don't even know how many years later, it's probably 10 years later since that, since that moment and being able to like kind of have my, kind of be in the CT there myself and have my, a different experience on it. It's going to be pretty cool. And then obviously Bell was, somewhere that I've competed a lot in the past and such a special event down there. I feel like it's just going and listening to Hell's Bells every morning going down there. It's pretty iconic. Like I started doing the Grom search there when I was younger and then like had a few opportunities thanks to Ripco as well. Like just to do the event there and um, I don't know that, that event's cool. It just has a special feeling. And then obviously Marg's it's, it's home and I look forward to like, competing that event not having to come up against like the number one seed like in the second heat every year because as as a wild card that seems like what you come against every year and it's either mean john john or i don't even know her verse last year or ethan or something like that those those guys that have got it down out there but yeah so i I look forward to all the events i reckon they're so sick and make the cut and i think the definitely the motivation of making the cut is cloud break and tahiti like fuck they're crazy like crazy waves um and two waves that i was lucky enough to go to this year as well so i feel like it's that's that's the motivation kind of for the first side of the year and just 
being able to get the opportunity to surf out there would be pretty cool. Yeah, it's a good point, man. Now I, I think about it, you know, you've basically got predominantly heavy water, long period rights in, in before the cut um, yeah. and pipeline, a big left pit. So you're actually well suited um, to the waves given like if we get swell uh, mm-hmm. forum. And yeah, funny, man, that, that, that heat against Slater, right? So it was that <laughs> you ended up giving Mick the title winning. No, like, well, you- like Kelly needed to, he needs, I think if he made that heat, like, oh, I, can't, I can't really remember it, but he lost that heat, and then he, I think he ended up losing to someone in the rep, in the repercharge round or whatever the old system used to be. And then um, I think I had Mick in my next heat, funnily enough, and he just smoked me. So it's pretty much a walkthrough for Mick. So <laughs> no worries, Mick. <laughs> there's, your, there's your title. But, um, yeah, no, that was pretty pretty cool event to be a part of and to, like, have a heat against Kelly. That, 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 that like, in his... Like that was like the, I felt like that was like OG Kelly still there. Like he was like going gnarly, going for world titles and stuff. So to have that heat with him was pretty cool. And who knows, could still have heat with him next year. He's still going, 10 years on, pretty cool. Um, But yeah, that was a pretty special event to look back on and yeah, look forward to going back there. Yeah, what was it like? What was he like having in a heat being being a sixteen year old grown man? Was he turning it <laughs> on? Was he trying to? It's probably true. Like, what is this this little kid doing? From he probably didn't even know where I was from. Probably couldn't even understand me. My um Aussie language was probably so heavy <laughs> going back then. But um, I don't know. I remember he was like trying to talk to me a little bit, and like I guess that's kind of lucky. Yeah, it seemed like he talks to a lot of people in heats and. Maybe that's how he deals with when he's in a pressure situation of like getting some of the pressure out to get a better wave. But um, yeah, I remember that he was talking about it and then he almost actually made a really good right as well just after that. So that's kind of seemed like that was his tactics. And as a 16 year old, that, that experience was like priceless. Like that's what you, like you dream of that. So being able to have that experience was pretty sick. But yeah, he was, um, I, I just got lucky with the ocean as well. I hate like if it was, turns or anything else like he would have smoked me but being able to like I just got lucky and got a got a couple of little left barrels and at the time like I'd have that was like I was obsessed with little left barrels that's what I'd try to do every day after school every day before school so like I felt like that was um a really fun heat and it was kind of like in my element doing that oh that's an unbelievable story man yeah. how did he take how did he take the loss do you remember I can't remember, but he didn't come up and say, well done, little fella. <laughs> but he was probably out of there. I feel like Kelly in that era just, I don't know him like on a personal level, but I've obviously like observed a lot of his like, behaviors, behaviors over the year. And back then when him and Mick and all that seemed like they were going for titles, he was a lot more um, elusive and would just come up to the comp area kind of late and then bail after his heats. And after that, he was probably out of there, but posting now it seems like he hangs around a lot more it's a lot more open to conversation and all that sort of stuff which is yeah it's cool but yeah he um probably wasn't too froth enough for that heat he just cost me a world title you little cunt <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. seriously yeah. <laughs> but um that was pretty good to see mick win that year anyway magic in 2016 wasn't that the year he did the 540 air reverse is that in um, portugal is that that same nah, i think like, it was what oh, was it I think it was like 2013 maybe or 2014. Oh, true, yeah. true. But I was also there when he did that crazy 720 thing. I think yeah. I got a wild card the year after or something like that. 
and yeah, that uh, no, was tapped. Man, I was watching it the other day. It's it's still psycho it, to this very day. It's so nuts. The, the yeah. high line he takes and the speed he gets and how buttery it is. It's fucking yeah. bizarre. And well, it's like, like howling. Fun. The wind's howling into the. That probably like helped him in the rotation almost. Like once he got to like flipped it around a certain amount, like the wind almost kind of helped him. But like it's so so wild. Man, he was fucking thirty nine. Like when he did that, you know, <laughs> pretty wild. Eh? What's it's that? Wild. Thirteen years on me. Holy shit. It's so crazy. It's crazy how young you are, man, too, given the amount of CT and, and kind of Challenger Series QS experience um, that you've got under your belt. That's a rare thing. Like You've still got your best surfing ahead of you, uh, and but so much experience at the same time. What do you feel like, uh, you know, what have been the bonuses or the positives from having uh, grinded for so long on the, on the QE and the Challenger Series and at that CT level? Yeah, I think there's been a lot of a lot of bonuses that I probably haven't recognized at the time, but looking back on it, it's like, wow, that was a, I'm glad I almost not glad I didn't qualify, but if I hadn't qualified, I don't think this year probably would have played out like it did. I feel like I learned so much about myself when I those years I hadn't qualified. It obviously made me a lot hungrier. And say so if I had qualified three years ago, I could have still been in the same position the year after. Like I just feel like I just wasn't ready and every time I didn't qualify I kind of just told myself like oh my way of dealing with it was like okay it's just like it's a sign that you're not ready yet like if you're ready you would have qualified and if you're ready you would have made better decisions throughout the year to not be in this position so yeah just felt like I wasn't ready and I think that this year the difference was I feel like I was a lot more ready uh, ready in my mind like just making a lot better decisions just understanding myself a lot more and how to get like my optimum like professional surfer performance out like and what that kind of looks like for myself not trying to be anybody else just doing my own thing and kind of what what um what helps me succeed in events and I feel like I just kind of every year that I didn't qualify I just was able to work out what that formula was and like that's kind of what led to maybe this year easing this year almost feeling like it was not easy it was definitely hard parts of the year but just felt like it had a lot more flow and the other years felt like I was like just like fighting a battle uphill sometimes and just get, getting kicked down a bit. Um, so, yeah, I feel like there's definitely benefits from it taking a little bit longer and I got to work on my surfing. and But, yeah, I think the biggest thing that probably changed was like a bit of maturity and just being able to understand myself a lot more and how to get the best out of myself and not being like a, I don't know, not like, feel like when you're young like there's a lot of exterior things that can confuse you and make you take you away from what's actually important and um I guess this year I just like worked out what what what's the best for me and even last year I felt like I was pretty much working it out as well it just didn't really happen but yeah I think this year was just like a big change in understanding my mindset and understanding how to make like my active brain work in a beneficial way for me to compete at the best I can, which is, it's been a cool, cool process and a cool journey, like being able to work all that out. And I guess that's kind of like what sport is in a way and professional surfing is. It's like, it's like an avenue to work yourself out and as a person and kind of, it's like a kind of a headset start in your life in some ways, which has been like a pretty cool way to look at it. And I guess it's just been my kind of pathway to working out who I am like and sports like a pretty cool thing to be able to do that through I think 
That's such a good point, man. Yeah, sport really forces you to be self-critical and, and self-analytical in, in such an intense way and really study your own mind and and, and body. Uh, mm. and, and that is such a gift when you step out of the sporting realm and um, you know, also the work ethic and discipline, like these kind of uh, just fundamental aspects of, of, of playing any sport at, at any kind of serious level are such good building blocks for a a healthy and, and resilient life. Um, mm. It's so interesting, man, like looking at your journey because you've been winning comps on the queue since you were like, like a teenager. Um, and, and so like, it felt like it could have happened so much earlier and even like, you know, you've come <laughs> really close on the challenger series every time you've, you've done it 24th, 13th. And now you're on uh, at third. Um, it must, yeah. It must have felt pretty strange for you, like once you did get on a roll this year and qualified. Like, did it feel like you'd figured out the answer to some riddle that had been staring you in the face your whole life? Uh, it was just like about fucking time, really. Like the, those three years, I think yeah, I got nineteenth, twenty fourth, and thirteenth. I was like, fuck. Like, I, yeah, there was just that. What there was a little piece missing still, and I guess that's this year. I kind of there was a lot of like little one percent of that kind of worked out and made the difference. I think, but yeah. Like halfway through the year, I was like, oh, I feel like I've kind of worked out myself or how to get the best out of myself competing, which is pretty rewarding. Um, and I guess just like going into next year is just kind of having faith in that and being able to remember that what what's kind of gotten me here and just like having trust in that. Um, because yeah, it's it's gonna be a whole it's a it's a different type of challenges next year, I think. Um and that's exciting. Like <clears throat> those challenges are what pushes you and what 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 makes you feel what makes you feel challenged. Like when you get over a challenge, like you feel epic. And I feel like if your life doesn't have many challenges in it, you kind of lack purpose in some way. Like it's good to good to feel like you're challenged and good to feel like things are hard at times because I feel like that's where I've grown as a person from that. And mm. um and yeah, I feel like it's it's good to feel uncomfortable as well. Like it I feel like I'm going to have a lot of moments next year where I'm going to feel uncomfortable and I've had plenty of moments the last few years trying to qualify where I felt like I'm uncomfortable or maybe not good enough or there's all these other things that come into mind. Like, And when you can get through that and make yourself better because of those, all those moments, like it's a pretty rewarding feeling. And I feel like that's probably what the issue has been. Like, yeah, the, the numbers and all the results and stuff have been cool, but it's more like the personal journey of it has been like the most satisfying, which is... Um, something that I'll probably remember probably the most about it. Oh, it's so fascinating, man. Like, can you give us an idea of a few, what some of these one percenters are? Because it's interesting, like what those one percenters all add up to is confidence. Uh, but yeah. confidence can disappear very easily. And, and you know, it, it, how do you find your way back into confidence? Like it, it's a, a nebulous concept. Like, you know, you and I guess there's ways you can, like you, you can journal and, and diary and, and write down exactly what was working for you at exactly this time to generate the mindset that you're in. And you see Griffin, uh, Cola Pinto doing stuff like that. And fuck, man, it's worked. Like, you know, the guy was in the final five after years of kind of not really – just hot and cold performances. He found a, a hot streak and, and, and mindfulness and, and, and just kind of mental uh, resilience has been the missing, the missing link for him. What for you were, yeah, those one percenters. Yeah. It's, uh, 
I feel like there's been a lot, like just like, I think like a big one percenter was probably moving over to the East Coast. Like I think that's kind of where it started. Like this good, like kind of a approach of like trying to like crack it, like properly crack it was like moving over here. Um, and then pretty much just like taking it from like a bit of a job really. Like I come in to the Surfing Australia Centre, like I have my, my week planned out, like what I want to do when I want to train when I want to see the psychologist, when I want to want to see the nutritionist. Um, and like, I feel like just having that routine of like, like people that I want to see and like really taking control of my own journey and like how I want it to play out was definitely a big one. Like that's probably more than that's probably two or three or four or 5% within that each different little compartment in that, whether it's, like, and then just, yeah, just like creating that good relationship with myself and my craft of surfing so then I do feel confidence because confidence can be like it's a hard thing like it's hard to gain and then it's so easy to lose it as well so it's like I don't know confidence confidence can be like a bit of a kind of a thing to like like gauge yourself off and like gauge how you're feeling so I just like feel like having those things that make you feel connected to yourself and connected to your sport and enjoying your sport and then like being able to explore within your sport but then being able to like have these like routines of stuff where you work and get your job done. And that's, that's your body at work that you come back to and things might be getting hard or you might be in a place where you're not feeling confident. And you just look back at like, well, I feel like I just look back. I'm speaking like a freaking, I'm, I'm like preaching this, but you look back at this, but like, I feel like I just look back at like that body of work that I've like put in and like all those years and all this, the, the sacrifice that I put in all the things that I've, the training that I've done and the training that I've hated. And that's like where you look back on and be like, that helps you kind of push through and you gain your confidence from that. Um, Because yeah, confidence, it's every athlete has a funny relationship with confidence and it obviously makes things feel a lot better when you're confident, but just being able to like not put all your worth like into surfing, like, and that's where you get your confidence from. Like you can feel like you can gain your confidence from the character you are and the person you are and, lots of good things that you do inside the water and that makes you feel fulfilled like when you get out there and like be able to give you like your your best crack at it and like whatever happens in the water like it happens but yeah I feel like sometimes it's hard like you get your full worth is like on a result or on your end of year ranking which like can sometimes be hard because it might not be representative like all the work that you've been putting in and like how hard you've been training and like I see that all the time like with the guys that I travel with and surf with like on the QS, like some of them work so hard and put in so much effort, but then at an event, like their results aren't showing that. And like, we've all been there. Everyone's been there, but I feel like being able to like gauge yourself off like your body of work and just be proud of the work that you put in and like the effort you've given is like a pretty big one for me as well. Mate, exactly. You nailed it. I, I think confidence it really comes a lot from values and, and and the idea and the knowledge, the inner knowledge that you've left no stone unturned in your preparation and you, you've, you've done all the things that you know to be the right things to do. And then if the result doesn't go your way, you know, it, it's, it must be liberating to know that, well, there's a must be a reason for that, that that's out of my control because I, I, I did everything that was within my control um, to perform the way I want to perform. If it, if it doesn't happen, well, there's nothing you can 
control about that. That that's just yeah, just like goes. letting go, being able to let go, being able to let go a bit, and that just like frees you up to make good decisions and frees you up to be able to surf well. And it's like you know, when you got lots of pressure on yourself, it, it's hard. Like, and that pressure can come from so many different things that are all around surfing. Like whether it's yourself, whether it's other people. Like it's um. Yeah, and I feel like that's another thing, just like being able to have a healthy relationship with pressure and like, like it's like pressure is like a full privilege. Like you've probably heard people say that before, but like once you get to the position where you can see that and understand that, it's like, wow, that's epic. And I feel like it kind of goes back to that thing. Like, I don't know, like you're not going to be able to be a pro surfer forever and like feel that type of pressure from your sport and feel like that intense environment. So yeah, just being able to like really enjoy that because I don't know you don't get that type of pressure if you're on a job site or some other things like that, that you get through sport. So being able to get to that position where you're like, fuck, like this is epic to be able to feel this. Like as hard as it might be, or as like shit you might feel sometimes in the moment, being able to remove yourself from it and be like, this is what you, this is what you signed up for. Like, this is what you want. Like, this is the position you want to be on. So being able to like be in that mindset to make the most of those pressure, pressure moments. And sometimes you can do it and then other times you can't like and that's just the learning experience of it like so many times I've been needing a score and melted and then sometimes this year like it just happened and I was managed managed to do it but I feel like no one you can never be perfect at it but it's just like being able to have like a good relationship with that side of it because yeah it's like it's a high pressure environment Mm. Oh, it's such a sick mantra. Mantra pressure is a privilege, and it it, it truly is. Like that's your opportunity to mm. flex, to, to to make a name for yourself, to to prove to the world uh, that you've you know prepared for this moment, and 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 it's it's your moment to make a mark. And and you see, guys, the elite guys live for those moments. Uh, yeah. You know, Jack Robinson. Uh, you know, y- your fucking teenage sparring partner. There's there's no better example of that in world surfing right now than a guy who just thrives at the pointy end. Yeah. It's, that's crazy. It is. It's a perfect example of it. And like, he's just has faith in his ability, faith in the ocean, faith in his knowledge. And looks like he can just, he, he can, he can let go and be like happy with maybe the work he's done and just has faith in that it's going to happen. And like, I think like, I don't know from growing up with Jack and seeing him surf so much, like, his biggest strength is his connection with the ocean. Like he spent so much time in the ocean and that is a massive strength, but having a really good relationship and like connection with the ocean, because that's where you're doing all your work. Like, it's not like you're going to the skate park and the comps of the skate park where it's like the just control variable of the skate park. Pretty much. It's like our skate park is like this wild, like bit of nature that you're trying to control and have this connection with. And it looks like that's something that, is like such a strength for him is that connection i think it just like comes from spending like his whole childhood and life in the ocean which is pretty cool amazing to have a guy like that in your hometown to to you know joust off with and 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 compete against whether you know even in in friendly friendly Mm -hmm. terms but yeah talk to us about like who you've lent on for inspiration and motivation over the years obviously like southwest wa is a hotbed of iconic world tour and probably more so like underground surfers um just so many of my favorite surfers of all time have come out of there taj burrow being the top Mm -hmm. of that list i mean you must have grown up uh, he would have been away on tour a lot of the time but 
you know, what was it like to to grow up uh, sharing space with him? Yeah, it was pretty cool. That was like the first surf comp I ever, ever did was like the Taj Burrows, called Taj Small Fries. That was like the first surf comp I did. And I feel like that's probably what gave me like the, the hunger to want to be a competitive surfer. Like I'd always played footy competitively and like other sports competitively, but I never really like dabbled in surfing competitively. Like surfing was almost like the outlet for just the fun and enjoyment when you like were playing footy or something like that. The one that was like just the more, yeah, like the kind of the free one. And then like that started, the comp started, then I got to like mix the two, like the love of competition and surfing. And then, yeah, it's, um, it was cool. Always seeing Taj come down. He was kind of like, seemed like, like a rock star back then, like the full rock star. Yeah, he was, full he rock. was. He yeah, had yeah, massive, yeah. massive Von Zipper sunglasses, some like <laughs> weird kind of comb over, like gel yeah, yeah, and fucking blow dried yeah. hair. Yeah. <laughs> full full rock star. Rock. Yeah, he was pretty much, star. he was pretty much uh, like a, a lost member of Oasis. <laughs> full rock star. So it was, it was always cool. Like when you said Taj come down, like, oh shit, that's Taj sick. And then, um, I guess now, like, it's, like, my, I still, like, yeah, seeing seeing how his career, like, developed and, like, as a kid, like, being able to see, like, all that, that shit was, like, pretty wild. And, um, but then, yeah, I guess, like, I don't know, there's so many, like, underground people that you can take motivation from. And I think, like, uh, even when I was younger, like, Mick Short used to take me surfing at gas and stuff like that. I don't know, like, maybe he would do, maybe he was doing some work with my dad or something back then and, like, then that's kind of and dad was like mates with him and then um shorty was like took me for my first few surfs at gas when it was kind of solid and i was like remember i was just like i was like this is crazy like yeah we couldn't really work it out but then i guess like being able to like work it out and then be able to share cool experiences in the water with like people like taj as well and like shorty as like a bit like as an adult you're still a grommet to them but like as an adult it's like pretty cool that like that whole journey of it um pretty sick but yeah it's pretty cool there's so much talent like and jack has been like a motivation as well like he's it's, it's like competition but like it's hard not to feel motivated when you see like the results he's having and the success he's having and like it's, it's awesome as well like sick to see that and yeah it's super motivating for me because it's like why can't i do that fully and yeah you know anyone who hasn't surfed with Taj wouldn't realize how encouraging and, and motivating he is. Like he's such a frother and he froths yeah. everyone up and like, especially kids, he's a legend like that. Um, yeah. You know, even when he'd rock through the Eastern suburbs, like, yeah, he was just fizzing like on our shitty waves. And it, it was, I just found him like such a, like it was such a surreal experience um, to share water with him, but then for him to be so encouraging, like that's, that's kind of uncommon. It, it feels like in surfing where it's generally a really competitive kind of environment. Everyone's trying to get their waves, but you know, he's like just a fucking mad frother legend. Yeah. yeah. It's good, good energy. Hey. And I feel like that's, that's kind of the stuff you want to be around. Like it's good energy. People that are happy and enjoying themselves, like good people to share the water with. It's happy. Man. And looking back on the QE, like, uh, you know, you most, cherish memories from it like give us an insight into what it's really like on there because you know at the end of the day as hard as it is uh and, and as, especially being from west oz i don't uh envy having to leave west oz and, and, and chase the qs fuck oh yeah i mean talk to us about that that, that that's got to be hard <laughs> you're like far out the waves you've got on your doorstep gas uh you can pretty much hit a five wood and, and hit gas from your <laughs> like yeah i probably uh, couldn't reach with a five wood still <laughs> no way <laughs> I'd reach the front lawn. 
<laughs> pretty, pretty, yeah, I'm the same. Pretty close though. Um, <laughs> fuck, man. Like that must be a, a barrier in itself. Uh, you know, you see a, a lot of guys from Hawaii and Tahiti kind of not really go to that next level for the same reasons. Like it's just hard to leave your island. Yeah. It's, yeah. It's definitely hard to get motivated to leave home. And I feel like when I was younger, I definitely struggled with like a bit of like homesickness for sure. Like just wanted to go home and surf good waves. And it's just, it's, it's the comfortable thing. Like you're so comfortable at home. And I guess that's like the part I got to it was like, ah, oh, I'm so comfortable here, but I feel like I'm not growing here. Like I feel like I could be the guy that was sitting down at the pub at, in 10 years or 20 years time saying, Oh, I could have done this. Oh yeah. That's that, that could have been me. Oh, I was almost there. And I was like, I don't, I, that, I don't want to, I don't want to be that person. Like I want to get uncomfortable, get in a position where I can actually have a proper crack at it. And I guess that's like why I moved away and like to get uncomfortable. And that's kind of how I saw myself doing it. Cause I was like, oh, I'm not having much luck here. Other than at home being able to compete and maybe turn this into like a real routine kind of job to get to this end goal. Like I was having a, amazing free surfs and it was like super fun but i was like i don't think it it has a just didn't have the facilities around me to get me to that next level so um yeah it's getting uncomfortable and just like getting over to the east coast is like it's been it's been definitely been hard like the waves are they're different and struggling it's a bit of a struggle sometimes and sometimes you don't really enjoy surfing because it's like fuck these waves suck but it's just like you you find a different love with it and that's kind of what I've kind of had to find that different part of it. And that's probably where the QS results has come from is like just getting to like, because sometimes you go away now after living on the gold, you go to a QS, you're like, how good are these waves? Like these waves are epic. <laughs> because when you're living it in WA, every time I'd go to somewhere, I'd be like, fuck, these waves suck. Like, and then this, the mindset was different. Like, so it's just like you, you, you're frothing when you go into the QS. And I feel like that's kind of what it sounds like. Oh, these waves are epic. Like, this is sick. Um, but yeah, I forgot the second part of the question. But um, oh, yeah, I don't maybe, even know what I said. Maybe, like, the journey of the QS, like, the journey of QS and fun times as well. Like, oh, yeah, 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 yeah. Uh, there's, there's always, yeah, plenty of good times. So, like, we're so lucky, like, to travel with, like, probably, I think, like, eight. We'd have, like, I think this year in the QE, we had, like, maybe 12 or 13 Aussies. And like, if you could travel with every of them, every one of them, I, I, I would. But like, we could only travel with about eight or six of them. And like, we just it was a good crew. Like, we just get a big house. Like, and it's just like it starts to feel like your family. Like, you create such good relationships with everyone, and like, you get to really know how everyone operates. And um, I felt like it was cool because I was like a little bit older than like most of the boys. There was a couple that around my age as well, but. Yeah, just kind of being there for everyone as well, and because it can be a pretty lonely journey, like doing the QS, and to be able to do it with like a bunch of people that are like generally good humans and like good people to have a beer with after the comp as well was like pretty cool. And yeah, it's just so many good moments, and I feel like uh, who knows, I could be back there next year of all the boys. But um, yeah, I feel like if not, like that's something that I'm like really gonna miss, and I think like be cool to like try and imitate like a version of that on the QE on the CT as well. Like I'm gonna travel with Liam O'Brien and um Caltex as well. So and they're two people that I've traveled with before on the QE. So it's gonna be good energy doing that. Yeah, that, that's that's so sick, man. And they're gonna be your mates for life. Like, you know, they're your yeah. teammates. Like that's those connections, 
the, the, the good times and the bad times that you've shared, that that's mm-hmm. what locks in like tight bonds forever. And I think it's yeah. the, 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 the Greeks, they say, you know, you're not truly mates of someone until you've drunk a liter of salt with them, which is a, <laughs> a way of saying like, you're not tight with someone until you've been through some shit times together as well. Yeah. Um, it would have been interesting too, from your perspective, seeing these guys come on the Changers and qualify um, who are younger than you, like Liam and, and Cal Robbo, a good example. Uh, mm. Even Conor O'Leary, like older, but like they're all, the common denominator is that they're all living on the East Coast. Um, so yeah. the penny, the penny yeah, must have dropped. The sure. and even, it, like. Yeah. And Morgan as well. Like Morgan's in there as well. So Morgan qualifying like, then at that time I was in WA as well and all those boys were getting into it over here. Um, but yeah, seeing all those boys qualify was like special moments for me as much as it was for them. Like, cause you travel your, the whole year with these people and like you see the whole ups and downs of you see how much goes into it. So yeah, being able to see them qualify was cool. And then I guess to like have my moment as well with like a bunch of the boys there that had traveled with me all year was always, that was so special as well. I just kind of wish that there was a, I wish everyone there was another six of them that qualified with me, but like it was so cool seeing how like um how much everyone was so happy for me as well. And yeah, we, we definitely had a couple of beers and some good times. And yeah, it's I don't know, I feel like it's rare to be able to like travel with these like a bunch of people that are just like everyone's like on the same page and like everyone's just like a genuine good person. Like so it's uh it feels it makes makes the job really fun actually. It's so sick. I, I don't know who's putting out those uh weird little clips might have been lob well yeah. the, the weird like youtube fucking like these kind of sergeant scrapbook spec uh like behind the scenes things it just looks classic it just looked like yeah. people who um you know are basically pretty skint and doing their best to uh you know make a living out of surfing and, and do yeah. well but like that 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 shared kind of discomfort it definitely brings you together and that's where all the funny shit happens it doesn't happen when you're fucking staying alone in some plush hotel like yeah. it, ha- it happens when you're like sleeping on um uh, sleeping in board bags and on and couches and and, and just the shenanigans are just iconic <laughs> yeah exactly yeah we we like did made like a few like little vlog not even vlog things they were just like handy cam like things all chucked together from like a couple of events last year, I think they got like 10 views each. So like, fuck, they're pretty rogue. I need to wrap that up. Hey, we'll just keep that for our own, our own memories. I was loving them. Bring it yeah. back. How do we, how do we say them? What's it called again? Oh, uh, I think it was, it's on Lobby's, um, Lobby's, um, YouTube channel. I think it's, I oh, so relative or something or yes. something like that. Yeah. yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Lobby might have deleted and clean up his profile a little bit. Hooligans on his thing. Lighting uh, fires with um, spray, well, well, deodorant cans and stuff. Like, <laughs> <laughs> clean yeah. up his digital footprint. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, mate. Nice and shit. Ah, my digital footprint is a mess. <laughs> <laughs> I want to think about that. <laughs> Fuck it out. Oh, well, man, best of luck. Like, I, I don't, I, luck's bullshit. Like, you're not going to need luck when you prepare in the fashion that you're preparing. And, uh, I, mate, I can't wait to see it all unfold for you. You've worked so hard. And, mate, you're only really entering your prime as an athlete now. Like, um, you know, you, you're, I think it's around about the kind of 25 to um 35 age bracket where your emotional maturity starts to match up with um you know peak physical condition so <laughs> yeah, no, yeah that's a good that's bad. a good feeling i've been waiting for the maturity to catch up for a while now still not 100 percent there but 
It's better than it has been. So, nah, it's good. Yeah, thanks for having me on here. It's good to have a chat. Hopefully, I didn't fucking waffle on too much. But, um, no, nah, it's good. Thanks for having me. Don't worry, mate. Your digital footprint is intact. <laughs> yeah, don't even get me started on a few things. We can, we can, we can tarnish it. Get going on COVID. <laughs> Fuck, mate. Yeah, don't. Oh, yeah, no, nah, that'll get you. You might get banned. Careful. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We don't want to get podcast. You might end up like Novak, just fucking bent over a uh, a table in some customs office, getting jabbed up. Like yeah. nobody's business. The poetic justice of that, though. Did you see the Pfizer, the Pfizer tennis? Um, they were sponsored the U.S. Open or something. I think one of those. We're getting into it anyway here. <laughs> wait, wait, go on. What happened? Yeah, I didn't see this. Did he win yeah. it? Yeah, he won it. Classic. That's yeah. a nice little jab, isn't it? Yeah, that's a nice Cop that jab. Pfizer. <laughs> yeah, jab back. Funny got, I'm pretty, yeah. yeah, anyway, we're going yeah. down the rabbit hole. <laughs> Stay out of the rabbit holes, mate. Stay <laughs> in the wormholes. <laughs> that's it. That's it. All right. Cheers, it, Take care, brother. <laughs> see you, mate.